Thank you for listening to this message from First Baptist Church of Alamogordo. More information about First Baptist Church can be found at www.fbcalamo.com. We are, we're going to be in 1 John chapter 4. And let me, let me begin this morning um, by, by simply giving a, a, a enormous shout out and thank you to, to those who stepped up last week um, at very, very last minute notice to, to cover some stuff around here. So uh, especially Chuck, who got the call at 6.30 on Sunday morning and said, hey, I'm not going to make it. Um, can, can you step in? And, and he, uh, he didn't mess with me. He said, Thank, yes, <laughs> I'll, I'll do that. Um, Bryson Thomas, who stepped in to, to, to cover our Sunday school class at the last minute. DJ, who stepped up to cover the uh, business meeting right after church. And so uh, let me tell you, it's a, great, um, it's a great thing as a pastor to know that you got folks who can step up at the last minute when, when, when you need to. Uh, to cover some stuff. So that's awesome. Um, we are here. We are well. We've had a rough couple of weeks, but um, we're still standing. And uh, so glad to, glad to be back with you guys. I missed you. It threw, threw my whole week off. Um, and, and honestly, I think that's, Michelle and I were talking. I know that's the first time that's happened since I've been a pastor. I think it may be the second time since I've been in ministry where I woke up on a Sunday morning. It was just like, man, there is absolutely no doing this uh, this morning. So uh, grateful for those of you who stepped up. Grateful for those of you who were here last week to, to rejoice and, and, uh, and worship together. So now we're going to be where we were supposed to be last week in 1 John chapter 4, starting in verse 12. Now, so, so two weeks ago, uh, we looked at verses 7 through 11, and we asked, what is love? Um, we, we, talk, we looked at some different definitions that some kids gave uh, of love. We, we looked, of course, the, the Beatles who said, all you need is love, right? And, and, and we just dove into what a biblical picture of love looks like. And, and we talked about how God's love for us has to spill out into love for others. And this morning, we're going to go just a little bit deeper into that. We're going to look a little bit deeper at God's love for us, the, the love that we should experience from Him and the love that should spill out from Him through our lives to the lives of others. So, 1 John chapter 4, we're going to be in verses 12 through 21. And so if you will, stand with me, and let's read the word of the Lord together. The, um, I'm reading out of the Christian Standard Bible. The, those words will be on the screen. Let's read them together. 1 John, beginning in chapter 4, verse 12. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another... God remains in us, and His love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we remain in Him, and He in us. He has given us of His Spirit. And we have seen and we testify that the Father has sent His Spirit as the world's Savior. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God remains in Him, and He in God. And we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And the one who remains in love remains in God. And God remains in him. In this, love is made complete with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in the world. There is no fear in love. Instead, perfect love drives out fear because fear involves punishment. 
So the one who fears is not complete in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, and yet hates his brother or sister, he is a liar. For the person who does not love his brother or sister whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And we have this command from him. The one who loves God must also love his brother and sister. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this morning. We thank you for the great love that you've shown to us. And as we look once again at the love that you have for us, will you show us what it looks like for us to come to know this love? To to know that, that your love remains in us? And then show us what it looks like to be people of love who are offering the love that you have for us to those around us. We know we're powerless to do this on, on our own. We need your help. We need your grace and your guidance. We ask all these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Man, thank you. You can have a seat. So we've talked a lot about love throughout 1 John because John talks a lot about love. And, and, and as I've said before, if, if we see something in the Bible, particularly in a short book like 1 John, that's repeated over and over again, there's a reason for that. For one thing, he thinks it's really important. For another thing, he thinks that his readers are probably struggling with this in a certain area. And so for us, then, as we look at 1 John, we can see a couple of things. First of all, that love is really important for us. We know that God's love is, is a big deal in Scripture. And secondly, we can see this is something that we probably need to be reminded of over and over again. God's love for us and the love that we're supposed to have for others. Or as we've said kind of in our purpose statement, that, that we want to be people who love God completely and who love others compassionately. And those are things we need to be constantly reminded of because loving other people is difficult. Especially when they're not super loving, right? When, 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 when love is reciprocated, when, when, when someone else loves us back, that's easier to do. But when, when you try to love somebody and they could really care less or, or act like they care less if you love them or not, it's more difficult. And yet the Bible never lets us off the hook. It doesn't say, love those who love you back. It says we're to love those, we're even to love our enemies. We'll, we'll look at that here in just a second. So if we're going to understand this love of God, I think there are three things that, that we, need to, we, we need to grasp this morning. The first is that we need to see the substance of love. And we see that in verses 12 through 16, the, the substance. And this is what I mean by that. Look in verse 12. No one has ever seen God. That shouldn't strike us as odd, right? We see that in, in the Bible. No one gets to see God face to face. In fact, Exodus thirty three twenty, when Moses has asked God to see his face, God replies to Moses and says this, You cannot see my face, for humans cannot see me and live. Exodus thirty three twenty. God, I want to see your face. I'm not so sure you do, Moses. So we know the story. God hides Moses in the cleft of the rock and he passes by and, and Moses sees God's back. And, and just that glimpse of God's glory from, from the back causes Moses' face to radiate. God says, no, you, you can't see my face because you sinful man can't stand in the presence of me, holy God. 
And I think this is why Isaiah responds the way he does in, in Isaiah chapter 6. When, when he says, uh, we know this, this story, Isaiah 6, Isaiah sees God in the temple. He's surrounded by uh, angels that are flying with six wings. Re- really kind of cool uh, picture of God. And, and then it hits Isaiah and he's like, wait a second. I can't see God and live. And this is how he responds, Isaiah 6, 5. Then I said, woe is me, for I am ruined, because I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and because my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of armies. So Isaiah is standing here in the presence of God, and he's, he's worshiping, he's, he's taking it all in, and all of a sudden it hits him, wait a sec, I'm in trouble. And we know the story, God then sends one of the angels to, to cleanse uh, Isaiah's lips. So, so 1 John 4.12, it says, no one has seen God, and yet, look at what he says. If we love one another, God remains in us, and his love is made complete in us. So, so understand what he's saying here. No one's seen God face to face. Nobody in this room has seen God face to face. And yet, as we come to know something of his love, and we show that to other people, they can see God through us. They see what he's like through our lives. For, for those who don't understand God's love, they can know something of it, from uh, something of God's love for them when they see how we love them. Then he goes on in verse 13 and he says, uh, this is how we know that we remain in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit. So we have this assurance here of God's love for us. And, and what's interesting here is that he points to each person of the Trinity. So, so in uh, verse 13, uh, or excuse me, verse 12, we see God the Father. No one's ever seen God. Verse 13, we see the Spirit. He's given us of His Spirit. Verse 14, we shift and we see the Son. We, we've seen Him and we testify that the Father has sent the Son as the world's Savior. You see all three persons of the Trinity at work here. Showing us the substance of God's love. All, all three persons working together to reveal something about the character of God. And that is that God loved us so much to, that he sent his son to be the savior of the world. And the spirit testifies on behalf of both the father and the son. Revealing to us what God has done for us. Verse 15 says, whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God remains in him and he in God. This is the essence of salvation. Confessing Jesus as Lord and Savior. Asking him to forgive our sins. And then when we confess, we're given confidence that that God remains in him and he in God. We confess Jesus as Savior and God sends his spirit to live in us. He remains in us. Letting us know that we remain in Him. See, when you confess Jesus as your Savior, you can have confidence that you have eternal life in Him. And so the question today is, have you confessed Jesus as Savior? Have you said yes to the offer of salvation? Have you asked Him to come into your life and forgive your sins? If not, today can be the day. And it's this simple, Romans 10, 9 and 10. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart, God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. One believes with the heart, resulting in righteousness. One confesses with the mouth, 
resulting in salvation. If that's you, in just a few moments when we wrap up here and we stand to sing, I'll be right down here on your right. Chuck will be down here on your left. If you'd say, I've never confessed Jesus as Lord and Savior, may today be the day. Come ask us what that means. Maybe today's the day that you step from death to life. We see this substance of love in the person and the character of Almighty God. But that's not all. Because then he tells us about the security of love. Not, not just that, that we can remain in Him. Not just that, not just that, that, that our, the, the love is in God's character Himself. But we are secured in His love. Look at me at the second half of verse 16. God is love. And the one who remains in love remains in God. And God remains in Him. And this love is made complete with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love. Instead, perfect love drives out fear. Because fear involves punishment. So what do we mean when we say security? Well, that, that we can have confidence. That our future, that our life is secure in God's hand. Um, and we've talked before about this, this statement at the beginning of the, the second half of verse 16. God is love. And so many people want to just take that statement and separate it from the rest, from the rest of Scripture. And when you ask them, well, what's, what's God like? Well, God is love. And of course that's true, right? I mean, we, we, we have it right here. God is love. But there's another aspect to God's character that we so often... Um, Overlook when we start talking about God is love, and we see that in 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. It's God is light, meaning his character is pure. And you cannot understand God's love apart from his light. God's love is secured in his character. Of course, oftentimes when, when, when you hear someone who, who knows nothing else of the Bible and all they know is that the Bible says God is love, that usually means, and he's going to approve of whatever I do because he's love. And he's just going you know, to be proud of me and he's going to be proud of you. You just go out and you live your life and God will approve because God's love. The problem with that is God's also light. And in him is no darkness at all. And if we claim to have fellowship with him and walk in the darkness, we lie and do not know the truth, as John has already said. But understand what happens when we, when we grasp these two concepts together. God is love and he is perfect love. And this drives out fear. As John's going to say in verse 18, perfect love drives out fear. There is no fear in love. In fact, I would even argue that fear is the opposite of love. When we come to know something about God's perfect love for us, that drives out any fear that we would have about coming into His presence. How's He, how's he going to receive me? Is he, is he going to be angry with me because we haven't talked in a while? Is he just waiting for me to, to make a misstep so that he can send his judgment on my life? No. Not, not if you're in Christ Jesus. Because if you're in Christ Jesus, he, he lovingly calls you back to repentance. To turn from sin and to trust in Christ. As believers, to keep turning from sin. 
to keep trusting in Christ day in and day out, every step of our life, knowing that our lives are secure in Him. Where there's security, there's not fear. When a child who's messed up knows that he's walking into a loving home with parents who will welcome him back, there's no fear in, in fessing up and saying, hey, I blew it. It's the same with our Heavenly Father. There's no fear for us to enter His presence. Because you know what? Anytime we, we come to Him and we say, hey, hey, Father, Father here's what's happened. I've, I've blown it. You know what His response is? Yeah, I know. I know. I remember as a kid, and I grew up in a small town where uh, news traveled fast even before the days of cell phones, right? And so when, when I had done something I knew I wasn't supposed to do and I decided it was time to fess up to my parents, you know what I often found out? They already knew. They already knew. Because I found out old, old folks talk, right? And <laughs> you, can't, you can't get away with much in your, in your hometown. And so you know what? I'd say, hey, you know, this is what I did. And, and I probably shouldn't have done it. And they say, yeah, we, we know. We know. Now let's move forward. Let's, 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 let's go on together. See, this love is... Radical. It's not like the world understands love. It's not a love that only loves those who reciprocate that love back, as we've already talked about. But instead, this perfect love, this love that's made complete in us, as he says in verse 17, frees us to do crazy things like love our enemies. Like Jesus says in in Matthew 5, 43, Sermon on the Mount, he says, you've heard that it was said, love your neighbor, hate your enemy, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Now, it's one thing to say it when he's standing on a mountain teaching the crowds. It's another to actually live it out. And yet, look at what we find Jesus doing as he's being killed. In Luke 23, Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, because they don't know what they're doing. So this wasn't just something that Jesus uh, preached when the crowds were flocking to him. It's something he carried out as his enemies were in the act of killing him found Him loving them and praying for them. And then we see Jesus' followers actually following His example. Imagine that for a second. Followers of Jesus who do what Jesus did. And and, and then Stephen, the first person in the New Testament who dies for his faith. We see this in Acts chapter 7, verse 60. He says, Then Stephen knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Echoing the words of Jesus from Luke. 23, and after saying this, he died. See, as I've said in verse 18, he, he says there's no fear in love. Instead, perfect love drives out fear because fear involves punishment. So the one who fears is not complete in love. See, fear and love don't coexist very well. And yet, so much of what our culture understands as love is fear-based. Look this way or no one will love you. Wear these things or no one will love you. Do this. Say this. Smoke this. Drink this. Eat Tide Pods or no one will love you. I don't have time. Uh, it's, it's all lies. Love that's conditional is no love at all. 
That's why Paul writes about Jesus. He says, but God proves his own love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were powerless, God sent Christ to die for us. That's unconditional. There's no fear in this love. Why? Because it's not based on who you are. It's not based on you. It's based on who Christ is. Listen, Listen to this. I sought out true love. I looked there and I looked here. But what I soon discovered made me feel only fear. So many people said they loved me and then they held out their hands. They expected something in return. I had to meet their demands. But then I met a God who showed me love that's free. His love is based on Himself. It isn't based on me. If we understand the substance of love, We understand the security that's in love because it's based on God's character, not our own. Then we can understand the statute of love. And and that's, I I know it. Statute simply means rule, okay? It it means law. Use statute because it's an S and it works, and it's cute, it works well in in the alliteration, okay? Statute, it simply means a law or a rule. And here's the rule of love in God's kingdom. Verse 19, we love because he first loved us. On your own, you're powerless. You think you can love enemies on your own? We, we can, you think you can love those who want to do harm to you on your own? No. That's a supernatural type of love. That's a love that the world looks at Christians and scratches their heads and says, I don't understand. I don't understand how you keep on loving someone when they treat you that way. Because we love a God who's kept on loving us even though we've treated Him that way. Turned our backs on Him. Chased after other things that we know weren't going to satisfy, but we chased after them anyway. Now, now we've turned this into a children's verse, right? Turned it into a children's song, Oh, How I Love Jesus. But, but just consider the depths of those words that we sing as kids. Why do we love Him? Because He first loved me. And unless He loved me, I would not have understood what it meant to love Him. God's love is freely given. You can't earn it. You can't lose it. You're not good enough for it, but you're not bad enough to lose it. Perfect love casts out fear. And then John goes on. He says, we love because we first loved, He first loved us. Verse 20, if anyone says, I love God... And yet hates his brother or sister, he's a liar. For the person who does not love his brother or sister whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And we have this command from him. The one who loves God must also love his brother or sister. We've talked about this before in 1 John, but we're going we're to continue to talk about it because it's so true. The barometer of your spiritual life is how well you love other people. Because you don't get to claim God, well, I love, you don't get to claim, I love God, but I can't stand everybody else. Or as 
so many people in, in our culture want to do. I love God, but I can't stand His people. I love God, I can't stand the church. You know, you don't, you don't, get, to, you don't get to spend time with a husband and trash his wife when you're with him. If we love God, we have to love the people and the things that God loves. Is it easy? No. Because <laughs> as we've said, people can be hard to love sometimes, right? But, but can, can I tell you something? Your people. <laughs> you, 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 you and I, we're people. And sometimes we're hard to love too. I'm so grateful for people who love me, even when I don't make it easy to do so. I I, I love this. John doesn't mince words, right? If you claim to love God, but you hate your brother or sister, you are a liar. He says it in plain English. Well, plain Greek. That's been translated into plain English. You don't get to do that. You're a, you're a liar. Now we don't have to love their actions, right? So, so let's talk real quick. You don't have to love everything they do to love them. In fact, I would even say there are some actions you can hate while still loving the person. This goes against everything in our natural inclination. We're, we're not inclined naturally to love people, which means we need something supernatural to help us do it. And so because love defines God's character, it must define the character of the people of God. And I believe there can be no greater compliment of a follower of Christ or of a church than to hear these words, they love me. What do you know about that church, man? They, they love people. Not perfect. Sometimes they fight like a family, but, but doggone it, they love people. says, we have this command from him. The one who loves God must also love his brother and sister. That's not optional. That's foundational. So when we say love, serve, give, the first thing that we're going to talk about is love. And where we're going to focus our attention and our energies this year is on loving one another and loving our communities. That's why we'll drop everything and try to collect groceries for a family who lost their house in a fire. Because we want to love this community. We want to show them the love of Christ. And for all the things, that, for all the areas as a, as a church, as individuals, where we're going to fall short, we can't fall short in loving one another. You know, there's a hymn from the 1960s that, that we don't sing much. and I, I don't remember seeing this much as as a kid growing up. But I like the words. Real, real simple hymn. It says, We are one in the Spirit. We are one in the Lord. We are one in the Spirit. We are one in the Lord. And we pray that all unity may one day be restored. And they'll know we are Christians by our love. Yes, they'll know we are Christians by our love. Folks, we're going to be a church that if this community knows nothing else about us, 
They'll know we are Christians by our love. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the love that you've shown to us. Love that we know we didn't deserve. Love that we know completely that we are unworthy of. And yet, when we were powerless, when we were still in our sin, you demonstrated your love for us by sending Christ to die on the cross for our sins, to pay the penalty that we couldn't pay. You loved us when we were unlovable. May we never get over that fact. May we never take that love for granted. May we do whatever is necessary to show those around us that we love them like you love them. Never compromising on your truth. Letting people know we don't love their actions. But we love them as men and women and children created and loved by Almighty God. As we experience more and more of your love every day, help us to show that love more and more to our neighbors, our co-workers, our friends, our family. Random people we bump into at coffee shops and grocery stores. God, may the reputation of First Baptist Church be that we are people who love you and who love others. We are powerless to do that on our own. Show us how to love people the way you love them. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from First Baptist Church of Alamogordo. We are located at 1100 Michigan Avenue in Alamogordo, New Mexico. We meet on Sundays for small groups at 9 a.m. and worship at 1030. If you have more questions, please email office at fbcalamo.com or call 575-437-5510. Thank you for listening and may God bless you this week.